friends, you asked me about spiritual gifts. I want you to remember that before you became followers of the Lord, you were led in all the wrong ways by idols that can't even talk. Now I want you to know that if you are led by God's Spirit, you will say that Jesus is Lord, and you'll never curse Jesus. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but they all come from the same Spirit. There are different ways to serve the same Lord, and we can each do different things, yet the same God works in all of us and helps us in everything we do. The Spirit has given each of us a special way of serving others. Some of us can speak with wisdom, while others can speak with knowledge. But these gifts come from the same Spirit. To others, the Spirit has given great faith, or the power to heal the sick, or the power to work mighty miracles. Some of us are prophets, and some of us recognize when God's Spirit is present. Others can speak different kinds of languages, and still others can tell what these languages mean. But it is the Spirit who does all this and decides which gifts to give to each of us. May this be to us the words of the Lord. And with that, hello and welcome to the Lectio Cascadia podcast. I'm Brandon Rhodes, and I'm glad you're here. Today's passage is from 1 Corinthians 12, 1-11, and this episode's music is from Kevin McLeod. So, spiritual gifts, huh? Great topic for starting out a new podcast. <laughs> Not controversial at all. Uh, so, this passage is from a longer question and response section about group religious activities that itself is part of a longer letter from this community organizer named Paul to one community he helped birth in a town called Corinth. Now, one problem that is really easy when we first read these passages, apart from any kind of triggers and traumas that we may have from our experiences in more um, tribes that are more religiously enthusiastic around (laughs) spiritual gifts, uh, is we come with this inherent dualism, this inherent sense of um, spirit meaning one thing as opposed to other things, spirit versus matter. Spirit as being in tension with creation or with intention with being human, which is really not at all what the uh, the author of this letter is intending. That's not how his worldview worked. See, spirit was um, spirit and matter were in some senses two parts of the same coin. Uh, spirit is the breath, the animating force that uh, sustains and generates all life. They were still in a process of discovering what it means to be human, what it means to be creatures who are aware of the sacred back then, just as we are now. And spirit is one of the words that was used to articulate that. And in that day uh, was also a a slow awakening that that spiritness, that uh, sense of the numinous, the sacred, that emerges here and there in this world may in some sense be the personal presence of the divine. Spirit is that life force, that flow, and yet also a person. So in some way, personal. Uh, I might say that my experiences of God that are least personal or most intimate, if that makes sense, are named as spirit. So that's the realm in which we are talking about when we hear this term spiritual gifts. Uh, It's things that make us more human, 
not less. Things that help us share life together more, not make us further different and empowered over one another. So what Paul is talking about here is more than just new ways to be spiritual or religious, to be in our heads or to center on the sacred together. It's about how to be human, I think. So to that point, that's what the Corinthians actually initially asked about. Uh, the, the translation I gave from the, um, I think it was the common English version of the Bible, uh, begins with, you know, you've asked about spiritual gifts. Now, the actual word there in the Greek is pneumata, uh, spiritual things. Later on, he, he actually said, talks about spiritual gifts. He uses the Greek word charismata uh, for that. So they're not asking about spiritual gifts. They're asking about spiritual things. Tell us these things we can do that are spiritual, that are religious, that we can do together. Um, but he, uh, he switches. He says, you asked about pneumata. I'm going to tell you about charismata. Uh, things, like spiritual things, are, well, things that we are in control over. Grammatically, things that <laughs> uh, are the object to our subject. Uh, for us to wield and own and be the center of. New techniques for spirituality or new experiences. Paul's not into that. He's, he's bored by it. He's disgusted even, really. He'd rather talk about gifts, grace. Spiritual gifts are something that the spirit, this life force that permeates all things, has given, not just to you, but to the world through you. It's for the mutual edification of all. We don't get to brag, play comparison games, or have hierarchy about gifts. Things, absolutely. Brag, compare, hierarchy, empower over one another. All you want with things, but not gifts. This is the realm of spirit. Now there's more. Everything God gives is for shalom, renewal, life, healing, integration, consciousness, reconciliation, peace, whatever you want to call it. It's for the common good. Gifts, spiritual gifts, whatever they are, and there's a list here, and it could be far more than this list, I, I hope they are, are, are for everyone and everything, for life. Therefore, what elsewhere he describes as mutual edification, our being a gift, or perhaps being as gift, is for more than ourselves, our family, our tribe, our country, or our denomination. It's for one another. Now, if at this point, uh, lest we get a little too proud about it, um, if we're being honest, I think any religious activity can be held as a spiritual thing instead of as a spiritual gift, as a pneumata rather than a charismata. Yes, the charismatics and Pentecostals, they get into it in their own way, claiming that they're the ones who have spiritual gifts and nobody else does, making tongues or prophecy or evocative hand-waving or falling down is the pinnacle of spiritual vitality. It's not just them, though. Um, any of us can do it, uh, can, can treat spiritual gifts as spiritual things. Uh, with any other sacred behavior, the specifics of an ancient liturgy or compelling sermons that are wittily said, maybe a, well, <clears throat> a, a compelling podcast, uh, jamming music or you know, whatever it is, we can just treat it as a thing rather than a gift. We can so easily be more interested in spiritual things than we can, that we can hold 
rather than spiritual gifts that can uphold the common good. But how the hell do we distinguish these things? How do we know a thing from a gift? Well, for, for the author of this letter, Paul, he says that it revolves around how it tells the Jesus story. Is it defiling the Jesus story, suggesting that Jesus is cursed, damned, dreadful, scorned? Or is it upholding the central mystery of the story that Jesus of Nazareth is now somehow to be called Lord? That's the tuning fork here. Between gifts and things is the difference between Lord and curse. Different ways of telling the story. And that's important. This is about far more than complicated. It's, it's, it's more complicated than simply verbal confession. This is about two different ways of understanding the person and story of Jesus, which is another way of saying of understanding the Jesus way of being human together. When the early communities of Jesus' followers said that Jesus is Lord, it was a deeply political statement, uh, a remix of the Roman Empire's claim that Caesar is Lord. I mean, if Caesar's Lord, there's a wiser way to be human together than what you might be doing right now. Um, namely, get in line with what Caesar wants. Be a good Roman, right? Uh, make Rome great again. Do all the things the empire wants. Caesar is Lord, after all. But if the Spirit is giving a gift and Jesus is Lord through that gift, or rather the gift is declaring that, well, if Jesus is Lord, it means his way of being human was vindicated and indeed set loose on the world. The fellow who inaugurated a debt-canceling jubilee, who ate good food with bad people, who told stories of good sons being bad brothers, who healed and welcomed and renewed, whose visions of the divine, whose vision of the divine was more willing to die for their enemies than kill them? That's a real lordly story, a lordly way of being human. So our gifts must continue to unfold that story. Now, it's also important to say that spiritual gifts are not just about what we do in a religious setting, a sacred space, uh, on Sundays maybe. This is about all of our life together. We are usually separated. Uh, this modern world just keeps us alienated from each other, whether because of cars or uh, the internet or the empire. <laughs> Uh, we're, it, things tear us apart, but increasingly our spiritual gifts can be the work of reconnecting life, of weaving a fabric of love and care together in a neighborhood, in a watershed for shalom, for flourishing, to act as if it's true that all things really do belong, as Father Richard Rohr says. So someone who practices radical hospitality or someone who just loves to cook great food for a sacred community or the person who is able to accompany someone through profound loss or crisis, these are the spiritual gifts. This is being as gift. We lose so much of what is spirited, a spirited life can look like when we create a sacred secular divide between Sunday gatherings and the rest of life. The spirit is for Sundays but what about the other days, right? Uh, if, if, it's, if the gifts of the Spirit are to declare that Jesus is Lord, then Jesus surely is Lord of every day of the week, in every part of the neighborhood, every part of the watershed. And so our way of being together requires more gifts than just what we can do on Sundays. Isn't that good? 
So to me, this is deeply uncomfortable, <laughs> though. It is good, but man, it's uncomfortable. I am a judgmental son of a bitch. <laughs> uh, I savor and relish and stew on the bad, the incomplete, uh, the disappointing in others. Uh, honestly, it is. I am just so much more quick to see you as a liability than as a gift. It takes a lot of work for me. You know, you walk too slow, or you don't know how to recycle, or you insist on man-spreading your legs into my seat on the effing bus. Bastards. <laughs> uh, I, I just, I so want to separate you and make you beneath me. Uh, it's so easy to be stuck in that level of vicious, restricted, cruel consciousness, rather than expansive, gracious, uh, charismata, Christ consciousness. One that sees being as gift and trusts that you are here as a gift. Uh, Richard Rohr talks about how this is just true in the structure of our brains, where um, judgment and negativity is like Velcro. You need the tiniest amount of it for it to just click in, lock into place. But grace is an indecency and gift, uh, love, positivity, Christ. Is, is more like Teflon. It's just, it take, it could slide right off our brains. Our neurons can wire it that way, but it takes a lot of time. So we have to meditate and pray and hold one another in the light. It, because our brains, again, goodness is like Teflon, negativity and badness like Velcro. So my task is to see others, all of life as gifts, to look for how they are or are called to be able to participate in a Jesus way of being human, of participating in the flourishing and renewal of all things. Everyone is called to that. Everyone, everyone, everyone. Of course we have to look at the bad. Of course we have to. That's part of the fullness, a full sense, a fully human sentence is enunciating um, the pain. Uh and the sorrow of human experience. But though that's not the first thing we see or need to say. The truest thing about each person is their belovedness, their being as gift. So sacred attunement, mindfulness, Christ consciousness, entails eagerly looking, looking for and celebrating their spiritual gifts. How are they meant to belong here? Understanding one another through this ancient passage also pisses off the systems. Uh, pisses off the man, the principalities and powers, the empire. See, the Caesar way of being human struggles with difference. Uh, the only way Caesar knows how to deal with difference is quarantine. Quarantine it like an illness. Stack it into hierarchy where this is better than that. Or simply deny its existence. Act like it's not there. To refuse to speak a word is to refuse to allow it to be. Or at least to live in that illusion. But difference is untamable. Plurality of gifts, a multiplicity of gifts, is outside the empire's terms of, its, of a future. It isn't tidy. It's more uh, like life than like, and gift than things that can be stacked. Empire, toxic religion, corporations, they all want uniformity over unity, control over complementarity. But inherent to the Jesus way of being human is the hallowing of the interconnection of all things, of the tearing down of quarantines and the toppling of pyramids. We get there together in the Jesus humanity. 
Our spiritual gifts make us more different from one another, and therefore more interconnected, not less. Our differences of experience, conviction, gifting, pain, and language become inroads to a new world, a world of plurality, a whole new humanity. But again, only if it's tuned to that central claim that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus' way of being human is the truth. Our gifts are only gifts and not mere things when they are faithful to the Jesus story and more to the point when they unfold and extend that story, when they make Jesus continue to incarnate in how a people loves one another and repairs the world. Which brings me to fungi. Uh, the, the nerds have taught us that the, that the different trees and the different kinds of trees in a forest all talk to each other. They notify one another of threats like drought, fire, disease, chainsaw. They share nutrients and water. Uh, they, they share tons and tons of carbon. Scientists, uh, for example, they, they localized they, a traceable carbon isotope, I think I'm getting this right, to one set of trees in a forest and watched as it began to emerge in all other kinds of trees nearby. See, they had, some had too much, and they shared. The goodness spread. The secret of how this happens is, you know, I already told you, it's, 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 it's fungi. Fungi. <laughs> uh, fungal networks permeate, and I mean it. They flood the soil with their hair-like mats. The land is full of fungi. They wrap around pebbles, they follow air channels and water channels within the sand and clay of the soil, they collaborate with the roots of trees to exchange signals and supplies across the forest. In fungus, a forest you could say lives and moves and has its being. It is sustained by a, what, what one person called a wood-wide web, uh, a holy matrix of these fungi that we usually only know about when they burst skyward as mushrooms. I think the spirit is kind of like fungi. It's what keeps us blessedly different from one another and yet also holds us together and preserves us, binds us together. Spirit, spiritual gifts, emerges where she wants, but it otherwise is content to help us share, work together, and flourish. The spiritual gifts are, you might say, fungal gifts. Maybe that's a more helpful word these days. They are not, these fungal gifts are not severed isolations just for me. They aren't just things. They are part of that wider tapestry of life under every footstep in between every tree. They are what makes us a community, not a collection of individuals. Or you might say, spiritual gifts, fungal gifts, help us to see and be the forest for the trees. May your week ahead be filled with curiosity and wonder, gratitude and laughter, courage and presence, and may the peace of Christ be with you.